Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. and welcome to episode 363 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday, August the 14th, and I am recording in the evening in our traditional time slot, and I am joined, as I often am, by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Bradford, I have missed you. I know you have been a man about the world traveling and, you know, disappointing a segment of our listeners for, you know, doing things other than, you know, podcasting every day. So I am glad to hear your voice. How are you? uh i'm well um i was traveling this weekend in a shocking turn of events but i am here uh we are dialed in the braves are rolling as we'll discuss uh, at length on this episode they have won their last six games Uh, it was an unbeaten week between battery power podcasts that's always nice and uh the kids are leading the way which we'll get into as well but we should take a second at the top of the podcast for anyone that's a new listener or a uh i don't know an infrequent listener to just say we have wall-to-wall coverage on this podcast network in fact i believe still today we are still averaging more than a podcast slash episode per day in the month of august i'm pretty sure this is episode like 15 (laughs) or 16 and it's august 14th so we are really really rolling with content between this show which is uh, usually some combination of myself eric and scott coleman we have uh, chris and stephen tolbert we have road to atlanta which of course you are the host of and then we have sean coleman hosting the daily hammer for the most part as well sean's done great work so wall-to-wall coverage and uh, as a result of that we've covered a lot of the stuff uh, at least in in brief detail along the way but as always we'll, we'll sort of expand i know there are some people that just listen mostly to the sunday shows etc but we encourage you to listen to all of our podcasts because you get a lot of eric if nothing else i mean agree to disagree there i'm, I'm a <laughs> I, I i am a i am a brad roland stan here and i have a, i have a hunch that our, a lot of our listeners are the same uh and based on you know my twitter interactions i'm gonna say that you know i'm not sure if you know i'm hated more than you but i'm definitely in the running i'll say i'll say that uh, it's a different, it's a different vibe. I think people, uh, people that don't like us think we just are too negative, which I understand. Um, we're really not, but it's, you know, I get it. It's not a, uh, it's not a pure raw, raw experience, but, uh, yeah, you and I have our own thing. Scott, Scott finds a way sometimes to get people riled up. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. It is what it is. Yeah. Sometimes he wants to watch the world burn. He, he, he does. He, he just sends tweet and just watches the world burn and smiles. <laughs> But I do love me some Scott, too. So, you know, big Scott fan over here. We all love Scott. Okay. Well, uh, with all that out of the way, please subscribe to the podcast and all that fun stuff. But we'll dive into the action. And really, it's going to be heavy game action. We're now sort of in the post-traded line world where there aren't a ton of transactions. There are some stuff. There are some transactions, I guess, or call-ups or, you know, roster moves to get into. But uh, nothing sort of headlining other than just the results on the field. And, of course, they went 6-0. 
over the last week, and it started with a uh, a streak busting win on Tuesday. A long time ago now as we're recording this, but they had lost three in a row for the first and only time this season, and they go to extra innings. It takes them 11 innings to win in Boston at Fenway Park, etc. Um, sort of on brand. Austin Riley had, uh, you know, the big two-run single, also had a two-run home run in that game. Ronald Acuna has been uh, much, much better recently. That's good to see, despite sort of injury scare on Saturday. He came back to play again on Sunday. Um, other than the uh, Orlando Garcia unfortunate injury, it was a really nice night to sort of stop that stop that losing streak, um, come off the day off on Monday, and uh, get a road win against, you know, Boston's not great necessarily, but to come out and not let that uh, sort of that fester. There, there's an opportunity for those losses to kind of like seep in in the way that the Braves have not had them happen all year long. They've been a very versatile and resilient team. They kind of show that again on Tuesday. Yeah, I had identified this uh, on, when I was talking. That's time I talked with you about this particular stretch of games coming up. It was the Met series, and then it was this past week that I said was kind of sneaky spooky because while well, Boston, I mean, obviously the, the Met series didn't go very well. There's no, I mean, and that's an understatement to say the least. Um, but you have a Boston team that is not particularly good, particularly on the pitching side, but they have guys that can beat you. You know, they have like, you know, Rafael Devers, Devers, they have guys with some power. Like you can just lose games where they, the offense gets going and you can't do anything about it. Um, and so that Boston series in itself was just a little bit scary just for me, not because I think it's a particularly bad team, but it's a team that you could have seen things get away from you. And I almost did. Charlie Morton did not look good. On Tuesday. No, he did not. He did not. Um, and you know, that's something to kind of keep an eye on down the stretch here is because, you know, he's already been very, he's been up and down this season, I think is the best way to say it. He certainly had his moments where he's been good, but there's also been times, especially early on in the season where he hasn't looked good. And, you know, he, at the end of the day, he's an older guy and you don't necessarily want to, one of the guys that you really are going to rely on to get a bunch of innings to be struggling when you're really going to have to, you know, be putting up some important I means this, this week coming up as an example, you're going to need Charlie Morton to be vintage Charlie Morton and not, you know, the bad version. Otherwise, you know, those are two teams that are going to take advantage of him. So, uh, the biggest takeaways for me, obviously, I mean, Riley's been great. Okuni has been good. All the young guys are, you know, doing work, uh, at all, in all parts of the lineup, doing whatever they need to do to win. Like it was, it was a really good win. Uh, Riley had a particularly monster game, but for me kind of taking that away was just uh, some concern for Charlie Morton, but overall it seemed like that they, that Met series, there wasn't any hangover from it or anything like that. They just got back to work. Yeah. They bounced back nicely and, uh, sort of as a bridge between Tuesday's game and Wednesday's game. We should talk about Vaughn Grissom. Now, I know you talked to Sean, uh, kind of giving the background, and that's important detail since you've covered Vaughn Grissom at the minor league level in a way that I have not. Um, but that was the headliner because Arcia, unfortunately, went down, sort of heard a pop at his hamstring, immediately went to the IL on, on Tuesday evening. And um, at that point, uh, the options were not necessarily the most exciting um, at second base because Ozzy is still like probably like, I don't know, three, four weeks away, something like that. And uh, I did say this briefly on Twitter, but my very uh, high level opinion in terms of like not detailed is that I was totally cool um, that with him taking the chance. And I know it, it sounds funny now, but it was a bit of a risk going to Grissom at that point in time, just because, you know, he was not supposed to be arriving this year. I know you talked about that a lot on uh, road Atlanta and other places, but um, given the options available to them, I thought it was worth that risk because he of course had easily the highest upside of any option that they had in the month to bridge the gap until Ozzy is back. Uh, obviously it's gone better than anyone could have imagined. Even uh, people super high on Von Grissom would not have thought he was going to come in and just light the world on fire for a week. But um, I know you were high on him then, but if people missed that, missed that show, give them the short version of uh, Von Grissom uh, beyond just the fact that he was obviously awesome this week, but just like what the deal is with, with him, because I know you have been covering him for a long time. 
Yeah, I mean, the short version is that I was actually really surprised that they did it. But when you kind of break down their options, I mean, you have Pat Valaika, who was like battling for a backup infield spot sitting there at AAA. And he wasn't good enough to, you know, beat out like Orlando Arcia or trading for Adrianza to cover that spot. So that when you think about that, and you also think of just just that previous weekend, Braden Schumann got a had a really scary injury at Gwinnett. Uh, he basically ran all the way out into left field and head on collided with Travis Demerit and had to be carted off the field. So that option sitting there at AAA is kind of like a guy with some amount of prospect pedigree and at the very least he could catch the ball that was not an option that was available to the Braves so when I kind of think about it in those terms and I mean if he had been just for a few games I think they would have called up a guy like Palaika or you know a Ryan Goins or something like that just to cover a few games but considering the severity of the injury that we kind of know that RC is sort of dealing with at the moment although it sounds like he's he's like at least jogging a little bit on field on the field now which is again it's surprising that he's even that far just based on what when you hear things like a pop in your hand spring hamstring and things like that it's you know you you always kind of suspect or fear the worst and hamstrings can be notoriously tricky um but if they think that they're gonna have to cover a significant amount of games and they thought that you know Vaughn Grissom was gonna give them the most amount of upside even though I'm frankly shocked given that he doesn't even have that many uh, played appearances at double a let alone you know so i I was surprised that they did it but the 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 tldr version of lon grissom as i saw him coming out of the minor leagues uh, a guy that can just flat out hit the power uh which is kind of a weird thing to say now based on what he's been doing uh with two home runs in his first week uh you know the power doesn't always play in games but he puts the ball in plays hun he doesn't strike out a lot he had had some issues probably over the last month and a half to two months of not uh walking a whole ton uh not not dissimilar from michael harris in that regard he's put the ball and play a whole lot uh but doesn't strike out like michael does at times just again a guy that can hit i don't think he's a shortstop personally uh i think that second base is actually a great fit for him i think he has the hands for the position i don't think he's a, a crazy athletic guy so he's not gonna be particularly rangy at shortstop and i don't think on those longer throws i think he has the arm strength to make the throws i do not think he has the throwing accuracy for those throws to be particularly good so I think that second base is a good spot for him. I could see him as a left fielder down the line. I could see him as a potential DH option if the Braves make the smart decision and get rid of Marcelo Zuna. Uh, <laughs> there's 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 a lot there's a lot of things that could go on here long term for the rest of the season because look if Vaughn Grissom is hitting a bunch in the major leagues and then Ozzy comes back, I mean he's not going to take Ozzy's job. Let's just be clear about that. That's not no. gonna, he's, there's there's no Wally Pip situation that's going to happen here. Ozzy's going to be playing second base. But you have a guy who's hitting. Are you really just going to send him down and get that bat out of your lineup when you have guys who like literally can't make contact with the baseball except once every ten games? I I suspect they're going to try to at least find a way to keep him around and keep him productive. And I now it's but at the same time it's a little tricky because you know he doesn't have experience a lot. But he, he's been mainly a shortstop uh, in the minor leagues. So how much moving around can you realistically do with him while also you know not hampering him in any way you mean you're asking a, a really young rookie to be oh yeah by the way while you're hitting like the way you are if you could please just learn a brand new position as well uh that'd be great so i'm i don't have a great answer to that but right now he's a guy that we've liked a lot i have been very vocal about my love of him even though i've had some skepticism about him as defensively as a shortstop you know the guy can hit and you know Overall, it's just, you know, it's been a lot of fun seeing him up. I certainly didn't think he was going to go wild like he did, but certainly uh, um, it certainly wasn't something or a possibility that was always foreclosing on because, again, I've seen him, seen what he can do, and, you know, the guy just knows how to how, how to put the bat on the barrel and, you know, get the job done. 
yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, part of our task is to be like at least kind of realistic and it requires us to kind of maybe point out like there is some risk here. I know it sounds funny. Like it's not a guarantee that he rakes for the next month. I know he's looked awesome this week and I, I think it's possible. Like he's a very talented hitter, like you just laid out. But as you sort of referenced before, he had 98 plate appearances in double A. That, that was the highest he had gotten and it was less than hundred plate appearances. Um, so, you know, it's working, uh, obviously, you know, Wednesday he announces himself with, uh, emphasis we'll say two for four had the monster home run um over the giant wall in boston he became the third player ever to have two hits two runs two rbis a home run stroll base in their debut he was also the youngest player in history or was since the modern era began to have a home run in a, in a stolen base in uh in their debut um yeah it's just a it's a wild thing uh, and he, he he's basically hit all week obviously i think you know still multiple sides but i think he said yeah he's seven of 18 Three extra base hits, two walks, has a stolen base, of course, uh, as well. So, um, you know, long term, we got lots of questions and we're going to hold some of these. I think most of these for later on, people asking like what the long term plan is, how it impacts Dansby, et cetera. We're going to hold off on tackling that for now. Um, but listen, if he rakes, then those questions become good questions. You cannot have too many good players, as we say all the time. Um, look at the Dodgers as an example. Um, they've often had, too, quote unquote, too many guys to start every game for them. It's not it's not a bad problem to have to have. If Von Grissom being good uh, kind of makes your your infield crowded, that's OK. Um, sign me up for that. So we'll see. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, again, this is a team that has real. I mean, I, I know what the division race looks like at the moment just because the Mets just refuse to lose. But you know, at the end of the day, they have real World Series aspirations. And to make that happen, you want to have as many good players as options available to you. And at the moment, at the very least, you know, Long Grissom's inserting himself in that conversation in a big way, which is frankly not something I was expecting to say at this point of the season, period. Uh, I think this is more of a 2023. I mean, no one so. was. Re- realistically, no. like, no, it's not like... <laughs> There were a lot of people that had Von Grissom as, if not the best prospect in the system this year, somewhere in the top two or three. And even even with that said, we just said it, we just laid it out. But like this man had less than 100 plate appearances at Double A. He never went to Triple A. Not that you have to do that. Like plenty of guys have jumped from Double A, but you no one could have expected. And you know you, you kind of have to see what had to happen to get him on the field. It had the long term Aussie injury and an injury to Orlando Garcia. I think if Arcia is healthy, they never go to Grissom this year. I think they would have just no, kept riding no, it out with Arcia. I don't think it happens either. I yeah. Agree. So, I mean, and I, I, the process is totally fine with me because of how long it was. Like what you said before, I agree with as well. If it had been a week that they had to navigate with, uh, you know, Pat Vlake or whoever, they would have done that, I think. It was a prospect of in the middle of a playoff race um, and a, still a division race, um, having to go a month or maybe even longer than that with just a zero at second base was something that they were not comfortable with. And I like that aggressive approach. Cause listen, you're trying to win now. We all know that, um, you know, they've, they've, they've sort of, not necessarily mortgage mortgage, the future, but they've certainly invested in now versus the future. And that's okay. You know, they won the world series last year, et cetera. And uh, yeah, I like, I like the move. Obviously he started out very well on Wednesday um, was the biggest factor in that win. You know, Ozuna hits a home run, but other than that, it was basically a, a solid win and a, a quick two game sweep up in Boston. And again, Boston's not been playing incredibly well, but that's not like a terrible baseball team. Like they're okay. So to go up there and win both games, do so uh, on Tuesday in, in sort of memorable fashion and then Wednesday kind of take care of business pretty, pretty convincingly. Uh, it was nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, there's glimmers of hope elsewhere. And that means, for example, in that Wednesday game, you have, I'm pretty sure it was the Wednesday game where, you know, Zuna hits a three run Homer and that's always nice to kind of, you know, 
the guy that's been probably struggling the most and is certainly been the most high profile guy to at least do something. Um, but overall, the you know the pitching staff performed pretty well. Give and going into a day off where you can kind of get a pair of wins under your belt after a you know a have a bad taste of your mouth coming out of that New York series. You know, it felt it felt good to and it sure I'm certain it felt good for that clubhouse to get a couple wins, get a day off, and then you know go into against a Miami team that frankly isn't very good. Uh, so uh, again, that's a part, another part of the, the the schedule that was spooky in the sense that I don't think the Marlins are a good baseball team, uh, and I don't think they've been playing well. And the, the guys that you're like particularly scared of, guys like a Chad Chisholm and stuff like that, they're not around. Uh, and you know the pitching staff, but the pitching staff can beat you. They're, you know this is a team that can play well. Uh, you know, just get a start from a guy that goes eight innings and you can't touch him, which almost happened today. Yeah, you know, it, uh, I mean that wasn't the guy that I thought was going to do it, but you know, it's, you know, this, this, this is a team that you could just lose a two, one game and that's not, you know, them necessarily, you know, hitting the cover off the ball, just, you know, you get a performance from a pitcher. And so, but to kind of get some, get some rest, also get a couple wins under your belt to go into that series, I think was pretty important. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that all makes sense. And we'll touch on the Marlins series in detail in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors on today's show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Eric, let us tackle the four-game series that occurred over only three days with the Marlins after a weird Monday and Thursday off uh, off this week it's kind of weird weird scheduling but alas here we are um of course they have the brave sweep the series but we'll start with friday um jaco de was not like incredibly crisp he had a very weird second inning where he threw a ton of pitches it wasn't a complete disaster but he only got through four innings and that kind of left the bullpen a little bit vulnerable again when facing the prospect of four games in three days but the offense did enough a couple of you know big home run by matt olson who's been incredible recently um, and then, of course, Vaughn Grissom continues to just rake, and Michael Harris did Michael Harris things with an absolute laser home run. Um, basically, the kids have done lots of stuff. I don't want to overlook the contributions of Austin Riley and uh, the red-hot Matt Olson. 
and Ronnie, et cetera. But uh, it, it was it was sort of uh, striking to me how many times in the notes this week, it was like Vaughn Grissom did this and Michael Harris did this. <laughs> it was like these two 21-year-old guys, two of the three youngest players in the league are just like doing stuff to help you win. And uh, Friday was another example. Yeah, uh, and obviously for me, that's a... Uh... Very exciting for you, I know. <laughs> that, yes. that, that is very that is very exciting. Uh, you know, I, I know Michael quite well, and you know he's been a lot of fun. Uh, I sent him a message today. I guess that he did a post. Uh, he did. A, I don't. I don't guess. He did a post game interview where he was like basically inserting the word "meow" as much as humanly possible into the conversation, a la Super Troopers from way back when. Uh, and you know, and this is like right after he you know hit a, t- a tying home run in the ninth inning. You know, the guy just has ice in his veins. He's just he plays baseball. Nothing bothers him. And for a guy that young to just be that way blows my mind. And when you have two guys who just don't seem phased at all by the bright lights, and then you have the guys that you've needed to get going. You know, you have Acuna starting to hit more. Matt Olson's hitting home runs. He's looked really good. Uh, you know, Austin Riley has been very good. It's just been. It's just been a very fun week to, especially coming off a tough week where you you could see, you know, some guys either you could see you could start to see some guys pressing uh, this time of the year. You could certainly start seeing some guys getting tired, uh, and I'm sure some of that's happening. But this it just feels like that this week, like they kind of got there was a lot of energy in the dugout. There was a lot of energy on the field. There was you know they were still trying to make plays with their legs. They never gave up in any situation. Uh, and this is a game that could have gotten away from them. Uh, Odorizzi did not look good. Uh, the second inning was particularly bad. For Odorizzi, I thought this game was going to get ugly. Uh, somehow managed to kind of get away with not giving up too many runs. Uh, but when you only go four innings as a starter and you have a doubleheader coming up the next day, that that felt like it could have gone bad. Uh, but they, you know, things stabilized. They managed to again, you know, the 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 two run home run from uh, Michael Harris was particularly important in this game, and overall, it's just you know, it was it was a really quality win in a game that honestly a lot of people thought was going to get away from the Braves and it didn't. So overall just hats off to them for going to be able to do that going into the weekend. Yeah. And you mentioned it. I think it's a good time to sort of inject this into the conversation because uh, this is something that you and I, and I know Scott always talks about, like there's this, there's always this, um, this fan back and forth and particularly this year with the Mets and the way that it's gone, some of the vitriol and the fan bases, et cetera, about like who your opponent is. And um, we are always quick to say that like in, in baseball, you cannot just assume you're going to beat, bad teams every day you just you start to win the games is, is it better to play is it easier to play teams that are worse than you sure it is but even if you play the worst team in baseball 10 times you're gonna lose two of those games you're gonna lose three of those games you're gonna lose four of those games sometimes or more um so i say all that to say the marlins offense <laughs> eric um is it's quite bad uh in fact i got the stat yep. from uh, i think it was mike petriolo today uh this actually goes through sunday um the Marlins offense has not scored more than three runs. So they've scored three runs or fewer in 15 consecutive games. That is the longest streak in baseball since 1979. Eric, I wasn't, I was not born in 1979 and I'm not that young. No one. I I, I am not as, not, not older. I am older than you are uh, by a significant portion. And I wasn't, I'm not that old. So yeah, and, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that to like downgrade anything the Braves did pitching wise, and we're going to get to sort of the heroic activity of the number five through eight starters basically on this roster over the weekend. But I mean, there's a little bit of a like, all right, let's keep this in mind because the Marlins' offense is like truly terrible right now between like the injuries they have and just the lack of talent they have in general. Um, it was it was pretty stark watching the games. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly am not going to miss having like John Birdie and Brian Anderson around who seem to always do some amount of damage against the Braves. Uh, Garrett, Garrett Cooper. Cooper's an, yeah, yep. Garrett Cooper's another guy who also seems to just, you know, you know, whatever he does in the season, he's going to go three for four against the Braves. Uh, and there's been a lot of that this year. Just a guy who has like a 600 OPS, but just owns the Braves every time they go against him. And so, like, you know, there's a different guy for every team. Uh, Lane Adams is another guy with the Nationals uh, as, as an example. Not Lane Adams. Lane... Is it Lane Adams? I can't remember. Uh, but it's uh, uh, it's it's definitely not a guy who's particularly uh, good that seems to always come up with big hits in like in all of these games. But look, I I think this the series ended up being a bit of a bless a, a bit of a blessing in disguise. I know that they said that you know Wright had had some arm fatigue, and that's certainly not what you want to hear from a guy who's been a really important part of your rotation. Obviously, Max Fried is dealing with a concussion. You know, you have Spencer Strider, who, you know, they have said they're not managing his innings, but at the same time, you kind of, if you maybe get the opportunity to give him a little bit of rest, you're certainly going to take it uh, for a guy who hasn't thrown this many innings before. And, you know, you have Charlie Morton struggling, and, you know, you have the Ian Anderson roster saga uh, actually having to run him out there after he's already been taken off the roster, which is a bizarre, kind of a whole bizarre situation in and of itself. Like you said, the Braves... In like spoilers to anyone who wasn't paying attention this weekend, the Braves swept the four game series against the Marlins, and they didn't use have to use any of their top four starters, not yeah. one of them. I mean, now it's kind of funny bullpen, to just but... like hear the hear the words number five through number eight starting pitchers because teams don't have eight starting pitchers, but like truly because of the way it broke down with Ian's weird thing that you just referenced, Bryce Elder coming up and then being demoted afterwards. Uh, they really did use their number five through eight starters in a four game series over three days and won all four games. Like that's, I wonder, I mean, there's no way of looking this up. I wonder how often that's happened in the last like 30 years. I mean, I'll say this, the Braves, particularly in 2020, when they didn't have like a rotation, when they had one starter for most of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like there's a, there's a strong candidate. If you want to do some searches, looking at the 2020 season and games that were won by like you know started by Tommy Malone where he went two innings and gave up eight runs and the Braves won like 13 to 10 and stuff like that you know but that's not what this was Odorizzi was probably I, I won't I won't I won't go that far because I, that's kind of taking the kind of the Ian criticism a little bit far but the way Ian struggled you know you would have maybe had a little bit more faith that Odorizzi was at least go to go was going to be not the guy who had through the least innings of all these starters but that's oh, not yeah. what happened. I mean, yeah, like the easily, easily the worst start of the four was was yeah. easy. And you would have certainly, if you just like, if even if you want to take Ian out of it, you could say, what were the odds of? Okay, these four guys are going to start. What are the odds that Odorizzi has the worst start of the four? It would not have been a very likely. Oh yeah, no. I mean, like I, I know that Chris was like, you know, not particularly excited to see Kyle Muller on the mound, and you know, there's reason for that because the last time that he took 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 the mound in a major league game, he was not good, uh, but. The, these guys that came up in tough spots in, and this wasn't a planned thing. They just had guys that had to give some breaks and, you know, for different reasons, they had to get some arms up there and Kyle Muller, who's pitching with a broken hand and Bryce Elder, who's shuffled back and forth, just like, you know, just to fill innings as needed. I mean, these guys came up big and uh, again, it wasn't against a good team, but if you're going to build in some rest for your guys and actually have to do some of this like, you know, rotation craziness that the Braves had to, they did it against a team that whose offense isn't good. And these guys came up and pitched really well, particularly elder on Sunday. So, you know, overall it was just, it was this, this, this whole series was in a lot of ways fascinating uh, and it ends up working pretty well for the Braves because now they get some guys some rest and they can line up whoever they want to line up against the team that they absolutely have to get, start making some actual damage against in the Mets. Yeah. I mean, it, it all worked out 
perfectly. I, it's just not that the Braves were super unlikely to go six and zero. This I mean, it's unlikely to go six and zero on any week, basically in baseball against MLB competition. But when you throw yeah. in who started, uh, it was very unlikely to happen. If so, you had uh, told me these were the guys that were starting, I would have been thrilled with four and two. Six and zero is almost a miracle. Uh, yeah, that's. That's well said. I mean, the, the the numbers were not in your favor, even, even against what we just described as a very, very bad Marlins offense. Uh, you still would have not been picking the Braves to sweep the series. Alas, that happened. Um, we got into it a little bit a second ago, but, you know, the doubleheader on Saturday, they kind of changed the plan. The arm fatigue of Kyle Wright is uh, we'll see on that. That's kind of all they're saying. I don't know how you feel about this, Eric. Like the, there was a little bit of a velocity drop. People kind of noticed during that last start that he pitched. And then uh, he sort of, you know, a couple of days later, like, okay, by the way, he has arm fatigue and he's day to day. So the combination of right and free are both kind of day to day with, uh, you know, Freed's a concussion, but, you know, kind of interesting, more mysterious maladies. We don't really have projections on when they're going to be back. They had this open slot in the rotation for Thursday this week. Um, are you, I mean, we, we can't know for sure on the outside, but do you have like some concern about Kyle Wright? Because I think anytime you hear arm fatigue, uh, that's not the greatest thing in the world to hear for a guy that you need. Like they pretty much, they pretty clearly need him to be good for another, I don't know. I mean, if you're the Braves, you're hoping, you're hoping for two and a half more months. So, uh, you know, it's not something you can like mess with too much. I mean, it can just be so many other things. You can I mean like how much of it's soreness, how much of it's just genuine fatigue because Kyle Wright's thrown a lot of innings this year. He's, he's been the guy to go six or seven innings, you know, every time he's out of there on the mound, if that's the guys have, if the Braves have one guy that's been doing that, it's been him. So it's not particularly crazy for him to be a bit tired. And he maybe just had, again, he might just be tired, but you know, if you start hearing about soreness or if he gets skipped this week, then you certainly have, I think more reason to be concerned because then you wonder, is he sore? Is something bothering him? Because again, this that's a guy the Braves need. Uh, now, Again, if they can get performances from a Kyle Muller or a Bryce Elder like they got from them this week, then maybe that's not as important. But at the same time, I would call it a mild worry right now, uh, especially since it kind of all worked out where they can give a bunch of extra, uh, like a, a decent amount of extra rest to a lot of their guys. Um, the, I, the guy I'm almost wor- a little more worried about is Ian, not Ian Anderson, is Max Free. Uh, just because with a concussion, you know, sometimes concussion systems go away really quickly. He can bounce back and have no problem. But I mean, you co- you cover a lot of sports, Brad. Concussions can be, you know, they that that can linger a lot more than you think, and that can impact a guy a lot more than you think. You know, even if he passes all the tests, you know, maybe bright lights bother him, maybe he gets headaches, maybe you know his equilibrium's off, maybe he just can't shake, you know, the symptoms for a little while. And the Braves absolutely need Max Freed to be Max Freed down the stretch. So if I'm like picking a guy that I'm more worried about, it's Freed. But it sounds like that they, you know, they put him on the seven day IL and we haven't heard anything like, you know, he's not, you know, he, that they're, they're concerned or that there's, you know, this could be an extended absence or anything like that. But it's, you know, it's certainly a little bit spooky on the pre on, on the pitching side right now, but the guy I'm a little bit more worried about is Max Freed as opposed to Kyle Wright. Yeah, I get that too. I mean, obviously, you know, the arm injury like long-term is probably more concerning, but like concussions are so, yeah difficult to analyze like like you said they, they can linger for a long time they cannot linger for a long time we don't really know and freed uh, for as good as right has been freed is uh is better and more uh more important to what they're doing so certainly uh that's that's a concern and hopefully yeah, and, and, and we but, don't know if there's actually an injury with right or not as yeah i mean it might it might just be a tired arm and they skip him once and he's fine we'll see i mean we'll see who pitches on thursday that's one good indicator you know we'll get to that in a second but they have a tbd listed for thursday and it could be either one of them it could be right could be free could be neither one we'll see um we should mention 
you know, just in passing, obviously we talked about Mueller, but he had not pitched in a long time before he had one, one kind of tune up in Gwinnett, um, pitched very well, like five strikeouts and five innings. It wasn't like he was completely dominant, but he was totally fine. And I got to say, just because uh, more, more, more because you're here, but just because we have to, My man. how about Chadwick Trump with three hits on the uh, Babe on Ruth. <laughs> Babe Ruth and Car- Chadwick Trump has been so funny down in the minors. He'll disappear for like two weeks. And then for a week, like the first month of the season, you couldn't get that guy out. And people were like, <laughs> when are they going to, when are they going to call up Chadwick Trump? And I'm like, they have plenty of, the Braves have plenty of catchers right now. Let's settle down a little bit. Um, he's also 27. Him, he's not like he's this like super young guy either. He's 20, he's not really a prospect. He's, he's a 27 year old. He's, he's, he's the like, perfect quad a catcher, a guy that can hit a bit. And, and base and all these young arms that they brought up, he's, th- he's thrown with them in the past couple for the past couple of years. And he comes up and has a three-hit game, and by, and like including on a, a single where like it should have been a double, but his quad was cramping up so bad. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about the fact that that man caught a nine-inning game where probably half of it? I, I can't remember exactly what inning it happened, but like they were worried that like they, like people were like are they going to have to take him out of the game because he's hurt and he couldn't run? And yeah, there was caught. there was a whole there was a whole discussion happening. Uh, I think it was in our Slack about like what what the, what they would do if he was just unavailable because obviously they had they had Contreras but he was DHing and there was this whole thing. I mean, I don't know what was going to happen there, but yeah, that was a pretty uh pretty strong performance from Trump, especially given the circumstances and look, like I know Chris was talking about this like I was happy they DH'd Contreras in that game. I was worried yeah. that Snicker being Snicker wouldn't DH him because they didn't have Darno available. Uh, but like, you know, they had to, Trump had to play. And that was the thing. Like they called him up and everybody knows it's a double header. He's got to play one of these games. And like you said, he gets hurt during the game, <laughs> but he finished it and uh, did his, he did, he did his job very well. Yeah, I, I can't imagine like setting up behind the plate for any appreciable amount of time was like your quad bothering you. Ugh. You know what I mean? And you know, it was funny like that, that, that he hit a rope down the line and it was, he, he only made it to first base and the, the dugout, he, after the game, they interviewed him that said, he said the dugout was egging him on the try to make him run the second. And he was yelling at them to bring a wheelchair if they wanted him to do that. I mean, like, <laughs> th- like, like that is a guy who was banged up and still catching and performed well behind the plate. It's not like he looked like he was, you know, behind the plate. He was doing fine. I mean, if I had a quad injury and I was having to squat down in any, regardless of what, you know, my stance is, I'm, I would have been done after maybe yeah. three three hitters. Uh, so you know, hat, hats off to Chadwick Trump for 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 quite the game. Uh, and you know, he's definitely the the right kind of guy to have down there at Gwinnett just in case something goes wrong. Because uh, as it turns out, this guy can play a little bit. Yeah, just for insurance. And while, while we're here, just sort of on the topic, um, Snit said that Darno is feeling good, and they think that he'll be able, he'll be able to play on Monday. So that's as you're listening to this, maybe he's already in the lineup on Monday. But um, that would be a nice thing. Obviously, it would kind of mean that Trump goes back down. But um, they could use Darno being back and having that guy available because look, they they were. It's going to look silly-ish in retrospect if Darno can't play this week because they didn't de- they didn't IL him. So they were they were operating kind of a man short in the last few days. Um, and I think that was hopefully because they thought he was going to play on Monday, and I think he's going to play on Monday, so we'll see. Um, as for the rest of Saturday, the second game was basically just a very simple game. The Braves hit three home runs. It was Ronald Acuna with a 442-foot blast on the first pitch of the baseball game in the evening. And then it was yep. Matt Olson and Vaughn Grissom, both homering as well. Um, obviously, you know, Ronnie got removed later in the game and they, they said immediately it was precautionary. 
Even today on Sunday, Snicker said that Ronnie came to the ballpark wanting to play on Sunday and they wouldn't let him. Um, he was feeling good, wanted to play, and obviously he ended up appearing in the game as a pinch hitter, et cetera. So he seems to be fine. Um, obviously, there was a whole discussion, as there almost always is for whatever reason, about Ronald Acuna not playing. But uh, Snick came out immediately. It was like Ronnie wanted to play today. So they were, they're just being cautious with him. I, I'm not sure why people can't understand this. Like, this is a guy who is the franchise player who had a ACL injury a year ago. Like, they're obviously going to take every precaution. I was frankly surprised, Eric. I don't know about you. Um, I was surprised he played both games in the field on Saturday. And I wonder if they had Darno, I don't think, I think he would have DH one of those games. That's my guess. I think because uh, they didn't have Darno, maybe they wanted to have Contreras do that, but I don't know. It's a little bit weird. I, I, I do agree. I mean, look, Ronnie was certainly feeling the effects of that double header. Uh, you know, he, I think pretty a, obviously. You know, yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he was, he, he was sore. Uh, had to make a play in the corner too, where he threw a seed to uh second base. Oh hundred miles an hour. That was, that was a, that, that, yeah. You, yeah. you don't see a whole lot of throws from the corner getting a guy who was running full out the whole time who is fast uh, to, to, to make that throw. But, you know, having to kind of put on the brakes and then make that throw, I'm sure didn't feel awesome. Uh, when he was, when he had a hit in, another hit in the game, he kind of was on his move to second. He was obviously not feeling great, but in that game, right before he came out, he scored from second on a single. So like, I'm not like particularly worried about Ronnie uh, in that regard. The one thing that was noteworthy and he said as much as that his knee has been sore for about a week. Um, and so as a result, I was thrilled that he got a day off on Sunday. The, the, the Braves are going to be playing, playing things safe with him and they should, uh, and you want your guy who is coming off an injury to be communicating how he is feeling and to not be lying about it. You do not want, he's like, you do not want your franchise guy, like with his knee swollen and bothering him saying, I'm fine and forcing himself into the lineup because that's how things can get a lot worse. That's how re-injuries can happen. You do not want that to be the case with your guy. Ronnie's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. The No one can convince me that Ronald Cunha Jr. doesn't want to play baseball because every time he's out there, he's running around with his airs on fire. He's doing everything he can to win. He's, you know, one of the more energetic presence in the entire club. I mean, Snit literally dugout. said it today. Snit said it, yeah. like, kind of unprompted, like, not you no know, Ronnie came yeah. in wanted, and was feeling good wanted to play today and they, and they told me and they told him no which is by the way what they should do like you shouldn't just play him because he wants to play there, there, there's there's a, there's a back and forth there to what to your point he should tell you when he's sore and the Braves should tell him off day today whenever there's whatever their training staff decides is an off day for him should be an off day for him that, that's part of the management process like look in a year if he's not been hurt and it's it's all back to normal maybe we can reevaluate things, but we're still 13 months away from him tearing his ACL. Like this is very much ordinary behavior from all sides. Like this is, this is just what yeah. happens. It's fine. And, and there, there was even footage in the dugout. Ronnie comes in after scoring the run, you know, high fives and all around the training staff, Brian Snicker. And uh, I think one of the players, maybe another coach sits down. I think Eddie Perez was there for translation stuff. You know, the trainer asks him, you know, Hey, like, you know, you look like you came up lame there towards the end. What was bothering you? All Freddie, all, all Ronnie did was kind of point to the area kind of like above his knee and kind of on one side. He said it was just feeling a little sore. And as soon as Snicker heard that, he started waving his hands like, you're done. We're taking you out. And you want to know something? Ronnie did the right thing. Snicker immediately did the right thing. Yep. And th- that and that's the end of it. There's just a segment of this fan base and <laughs> uh, and 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 this and, and 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 the media contingent as well that is just waiting for any reason to, you know shit on Ronald Acuna Jr. And no, I don't think Ronnie's had a particularly great season this year, but he's still been a really productive player in the field. He's certainly the most dynamic player on the field. Anything can happen when he's taking the field. You want him to be healthy. 
You want him to be playing in October. You do not want him to make a stupid decision or for the team to make a stupid decision that results in him getting a long-term injury again because this team is better with him on it. End of discussion. Yep. No, we're all on the same page, 100%. Um, so that was the, obviously, the beyond just the win on Saturday night, I was sort of the headliner, but he looked to be fine. Um, and they come in today on Sunday as we record this, and they win again, three to one. Um I will I will eat crow on Bryce Elder. I am I've not I've been pretty pretty low or at least pretty modest on Bryce Elder as a major league pitcher right now. Uh, he was quite good today. Seven innings, ten strikeouts. Um, even with the adjustment for a bad Marlins offense, you can't fake that all the all the way through. Is it easier against the Marlins? Probably, but like seven innings. I I would have certainly bet um, most of my net worth on the under nine and a half strikeouts for Bryce Elder. <laughs> that's probably a safe bet yeah sure so and i would have lost so uh he pitched very very well he was optioned after the game by the way that was just that was always going to happen so people were not kind of just like reacting to that i was like that was always happening but uh, i mean spot duty he got called up during, sort of in the middle of saturday knowing that if they didn't have to use him saturday night, he, he would pitch again on sunday and i mean look listen between we talked about it earlier but just to put a final point final point on it getting what they got out of in particular uh Muller, Ian, and Bryce Elder in the last three games of that series. I mean, Ian wasn't fantastic, but like, you know, he pitched well. He, I mean, well I enough, we, yeah, yeah, well enough. And I, we we kind, of, we kind of asked the question last week, like, what happens if Ian like throws a throws a six innings of perfect baseball? Like, do they do they still send him back to Gwinnett? We got the answer. He was still he was still option back. He wasn't quite that good, obviously. Um, and I, I thought it was at least on brand for all parties involved that they let him face third time through the order again. And he allowed the home run in the sixth, just right on brand as always. <laughs> yeah. He just, he, he just, he just cannot function after that. But listen, uh, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to crap on Ian Anderson. He was, he was good in that start. Elder was good. I mean, man, to get those three starts from those three guys, I, I know we're probably overstating it, but it was uh very, very valuable. And they won and they won all three games. So shots to those guys. Yeah. I mean, particularly elder who has been good in triple a lately, but it has not been great. Um, you know, to get 10 strikeouts from him is, you know, that looks more like kind of, he was putting up some real strikeout numbers last year. Uh, this year, he hasn't been as big of a strikeout guy. This the bite. The slider hasn't had the same bite. He hasn't kind of gotten the same swings and misses on his fastball. And, you know, again, he's not a big spin guy. So that's a, that's something to kind of keep an eye on with him long-term as to his viability as to whether or not he'll have the spin rate to kind of be consistently successful. But I mean, the Braves thought enough of him to make him an overslot pick and, you know, a five round draft and, you know, he made it to the major leagues very, very quickly. Certainly some more things to work on in terms of what he's, you know, you know, if he's going to be a major league pitcher, but this guy has some real talent. And, but again, he's the thing about him in the, in the triple A, it's been a little concerning is that issues with the long ball. Now you don't have to worry about that too much with the Marlins. Cause there's, it's basically, <laughs> Jesus Agu- it's basically Jesus Aguilar. Who's like really concerned. And he's the one that bombed off of the, off the end, by the way, it was Aguilar. So yeah. Yep. Yep. So he's the, he'll, he's the guy that could get you. But at the same time, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna throw Bryce Elder, you know, you could do worse than doing it against the Marlins. But he he pitched well. You know, he was locating his pitches. You know, the three walks in seven innings that's not a terrible that's number. Fine. It's not great. Yeah, yep. especially when you only give up three hits, right? So, you know, just a lot of you know weak ground balls, and he was missing bats, and that's the biggest thing. If he can continue can consistently start missing bats, that's an interesting arm, uh, one that has you know a certain amount of track record in the minors outside of this year. So, you know, again, I no one was should be confused at all that they optioned him. Uh, that was always going to happen, but you know, again, having these guys who can just come up in a pinch and give your guys some rest uh, if a guy gets dinged up or even hurt long term, you have when you have guys like Kyle Muller and Bryce Elder just sitting there and it. 
and now Ian Anderson, you have those guys just sitting in your at AAA, you know, waiting for an opportunity to come back up. I mean, you can do a lot worse than where the Braves are in terms of the pitching depth. Yeah, I mean, in some order, Elder and Muller are their seven and eight starters, and they did yeah. their they did their job in terms of this week. And just to put the um, some stats behind the Elder uh, strikeout point in the five previous outings of the majors this year for Bryce Elder, he had fourteen strikeouts in twenty one in the third innings. And uh, which is, you know, about less than six per nine. That's that's not good. Um, and then today, of course, he strikes out 10 in seven innings. So that's always Baseball. nice to see. Um, quickly, and I promise that we're not going to belabor this point. You referenced it earlier with Ozuna. Um, Chris and Steven talked about Marcel for quite a bit of time earlier this week. But um, I pulled the numbers before this is before today's game for uh, Marcel Ozuna, because I feel like we get more questions about this for podcast purposes and Twitter purposes and everything else um, than anything else right now is like what to do with Ozuna. But uh, he had a 465 OPS, OPS, not 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 slugging, not OPS in 25 games before today. Now, he did have two hits. They were both singles in today's game. That probably helped that, obviously, a little bit. But uh, I say that because he hit eighth today, and that was the first time in his Braves tenure he had been that that low in the lineup. I think Grant McCauley, our friend um, from Battery Power TV and other places, 92.9, et cetera, um, pulled the numbers too. Like he hadn't batted eighth anywhere since like 2017. He had started a game hitting eighth since like 2014. Like Marcelo Zuna does not hit eighth. And that happened today. I think maybe it was just a, a part of the thing with Ryan not, Ryan not playing, et cetera. But like, it seems like they at least know he's scuffling finally. But, uh, you know, kind of on brand as well, he had a brutal, even though he had two strikeouts today, sorry, he had two hits today, he had a very, very bad strikeout in the eighth inning in which he took three pitches. I guess they were kind of on the corners, but strikeout looking on all three strikes with two on in the eighth inning in a game where they were still losing one nothing. And I was just like, you, you got to swing the bat more so. Like, you can't go up there and, I don't know. The whole thing is just, we, we, we've covered it at length, but he has been the one, very bad. The one time <laughs> that guy doesn't swing in a pitch, Right in a, an important spot, and he stares at a pitch that's very clearly on the outside. Well, that that might that might be honestly a uh, this is obviously very simplistic, and I want I don't want to overstate it either. But that might be a sign that he's really really scuffling, is that like he's usually over aggressive, and usually when a guy is over aggressive like that, and you see him strike out like that in a big spot, looking, it's kind of like this guy's just lost in the sauce. And he, he just doesn't have it right now, and that's obviously what we've seen for a long time. And again, he had two hits today, so maybe that's a little bit. But his last plate appearance was that strikeout. So I don't know. I don't want to over it's today's just like throw that away for the most part, the, but this the month before that was really bad. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, he, no, he, he's, he's been bad. I don't want him in the lineup at the very least. They moved him down. He's not betting fifth every day, which again, I'm happy about, but you know, like the DH situation, which is handled differently by almost every other MLB team right now. Whereas that, there's not a lot of full-time DHs necessarily um, kind of rotate people, rotate people in and out of there. Eric, I have breaking news. I have breaking news. I have to get to you. Okay, are go you, ahead. I'm are, you on, are you on Twitter right now? No, I'm not. Okay, this is just break for you. it to me. I I want you to feed this to me. This is just for you. Uh, we're recording this about 8:50 p.m. Eastern time. People know this, but uh, it was just either reported or announced. I can't really tell, but Dob has it. Um, Mike Soroka is beginning his rehab assignment on Tuesday with Rome. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to Rome. I'll see you guys there Tuesday. When is, when is, Tuesday, Tuesday right. Rome. So that's uh, I set up my pre- I, uh, 
I'm going to send my request for my press credential. All right, cool. I'm, yep. I'm, honestly, uh, people that listen to the podcast for a long time will know this, but people that don't, maybe if you're new, if you're a new listener, um, Eric is the world's largest Mike Soroka fan outside of his family. So uh, he's very excited about this. And that's obviously a good thing. So. I, I, I feel strong. I mean, like I might not be, I might not be dad, but I feel strongly that I'm in, <laughs> uh, I, I am quite happy now. All right, cool. All okay, right, yeah, so, talk about whatever you want to. I'm going to send a message. Yep, no, that, that, that happened just now. So I had to get it out to Eric. I knew it would be good, good live radio for everybody listening to the podcast. Um, but anyway, uh, we, we talked about Ozuna a lot and uh, it is what it is, but um, we'll touch on that more. If we have to people. I know we, we all see your questions. I promise you, we kind of all have the same response. I'll be interested to see um, if he keeps playing like this, what it kind of takes for him to just not play anymore. And I think we've not reached that point yet. Obviously he played today, even though he's been lower in the lineup, et cetera, but alas, um, as for the game today, um, it was kind of a maddening performance on offense for the first eight innings. They had to miss opportunities. You, we, we mentioned the Ozuna strikeout. Um, there was a hilariously bad send by Ron Washington to get, Rosario thrown out at second back, thrown out at home. Sorry, in second inning, that was very, very funny. There was a video of, of it from Justin Justin Toscano from the uh, home plate angle where you can see Ron waving him home. It was not close at all. And then also later in the game, Austin Riley just annihilated a line drive with two outs that was just right at someone. Um, they got caught. That would have been a run scoring play. But in the ninth. They break it open. Uh, first of all, Michael Harris, as we talked about before, with the kids being more than all right, we'll say, um, blast the first pitch of the ninth inning to tie the game at one. And then from there, it was three walks, a single and a wild pitch, basically, for the other two runs of the ninth inning to win the game three to one. Um, I don't know. There's lots of stuff we can get to here. Uh, before I throw out the uh, the the our, our colleague Stephen has me uh, sort of ask you a question that I'm, I'm going to ask you about the way the ninth inning went. But uh, did you observe anything else that you wanted to get to from Sunday in terms of the actual process? Because they were losing for the majority of the game, and then of course right on, right on time in the ninth, Michael Harris does Michael Harris stuff, and they win. I mean, obviously Michael Harris is really good. Uh, he's, so that like you know, obviously he he just keeps coming up in late game situations too. Uh, had a, had a big home run uh, home run earlier in the week. Has had to send big hits all week. Um, I will say that the Dansby Swanson toot bland, you can add that to the list of things that went wrong. Uh, for the yeah, I know, I know, I forgot something. That, there was, there was, that, there was that, a lot going that on was not, <laughs> that was, that was not good, uh, in that situation. Um, you know, bases loaded with one out is a significantly different situation than first and second with two out, uh, which is exactly what ended up happening. That is but, true. um, so I, I did want to mention that, that, you know, like I'm not sure what Dansby was thinking there, but that wasn't great. Uh, this definitely felt like a game that could have gotten away from the Braves uh, from just kind of some of the mental errors on, you know, several angles uh, and just some bad luck. I mean, like Austin Riley, that ball was annihilated and it just went right into a glove. You know, that's that, that, sh- that should have given the Braves the lead right there. It just didn't happen. Um, I will say that the Marlins choice of relief pitchers uh, was an interesting one because that guy couldn't throw strikes to save his life, which brings us to a process yeah, that discussion, was... <laughs> that you, that, which brings us to a process discussion that you and I are going to have because I, I I fear I will make our my uh, my dear friend Stephen mad at me in this conversation. Yeah, I think I, I think you I, and Stephen are on uh, opposite sides. So uh, <laughs> I got a message. I, I will be honest. I was uh, I was still traveling today. I was following the game, but I was not watching the ninth inning live when this happened. So I I kind of had to catch up on all of what transpired here. But Stephen got in an argument, our friend Stephen Tolbert from this podcast network at batterypower.com um, at Outliers. if you want to follow him on Twitter, you should. Um, he got in this process argument with people online and he reached out to me because he knows that I like process and thought that I might agree with him. And I actually do. Um, I know, I don't think Eric does, but basically 
Um, and by the way, I'll just preface this now. This is not all that important. This is a very battery power podcast discussion that is a much more like minutia process based to like actual results. Like I'll say this now. I don't think, and I know Steven probably thinks the same way. We're not saying this is like a huge deal. <laughs> just, for, just everybody knows I'm not like dwelling this for fun. It's more of a funny topic for me, but essentially Steven really did not like that Snit used Ronald Acuna as a pinch hitter for Robbie Grossman in the ninth. And the reason why is not that he thinks that Robbie Grossman's better than Ronald Acuna. That's not the case. People were, I think he thought people, he was getting attacked for this. It's like, no, he, he doesn't think that Grossman's better than Acuna. But in his mind, he thought it was quite obvious that they were going to walk Ronnie and then they'd have a left-hander to face Eddie Rosario. So basically the decision is in part, do you want Eddie Rosario facing a left-handed hitter or do you want Robbie Grossman facing, uh, sorry, left-handed pitcher or do you want Robbie Grossman facing a left-handed pitcher? Um, knowing that, yes, obviously it's nice to have Ronnie available, but if we, if the entire world knew they were going to walk Ronald and they did, um, it comes down to kind of personal preference. So Steven didn't like it. Obviously it doesn't matter that much, but uh, I think Eric has the other side. So Eric, the floor is yours. Well, I think this ultimately just matters so very little because we're Agreed. talking about uh, we're, <laughs> like, it, like the, the, to even bring it up. I like, I, the, the, the thought crossing my mind is like, I love Steve. Really I love Steven so much, by the way. That's, this oh, is why no, 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 look, no, Steven's my boy. I've known him for a long time and I respect it. I, re I respect wanting to get every possible inch of optimization out of here. The issue is that we're talking about a two out situation where you have Robbie Grossman, who's not Babe Ruth against left-handers. He's been good Listen, against wa left-handers. Wa watch, your, watch your tone, sir. Watch your tone. He, look, look, go ahead and write it in ink somewhere. <laughs> he is not Babe Ruth against left-handed hitters. And this is kind of a, we're getting into some real like minor minor stuff here because with two outs you know no i will say don't game. matter as much yeah if it was a playoff game we would do like 30 minutes on this i promise you we would <laughs> oh no 100 and also if dansby hadn't run into an out the situation's different because there's only one out instead of two that is but true. since there's since there's two outs and all of a sudden like sack flies aren't in play it comes down to do you want with two outs robbie grossman with first and second against a guy a left-hander who can't throw straight and this is an important part of the conversation <laughs> is that this guy literally was like, he was a, a wild pitch waiting to happen and was walking everybody. It, it was ugly, right? You have Robbie Grossman or you have the bases loaded, same guy on the hill and you have Eddie Rosario. Now I understand that there is, the, the I understand the process is that you let Eddie against the lefty in a vacuum is much is worse than just having Ronnie there. I don't think that the outcome of Robbie Grossman's at bat being a positive one is particularly high in that situation. And in that case, I think it's such a marginal thing that I think that at the end of the day, you just put Ronnie in there. You know, if you know, he's going to get walked, you get the bases loaded situation that you want anyway. And then you have a runner on third for a guy who is really struggling to do much of anything. Right. And you have Eddie Rosario, pr presumably under strict instructions to be like, look, this guy can't throw strikes, you know, make him earn it. And Eddie's a good guy getting, got, you know, fouling off pitches and stuff like that. He puts the ball in play a ton. He's not a guy who's going to be striking out on three pitches. So for me, I just, it's just, I, I'm, and it was like, it was a big thing between folks on, on the Twitters. Steven was, Steven was going in on this. And people, I respect people, it. people were mad at Steven. And uh, listen, uh, they shouldn't be mad. Do not be mad at Steven. No, Steven's, I think, the I think the big, I think the big difference between the two of you, and I swear we'll move on from this, um, is that I think he 
he thinks more of gross of Grossman against lefties than you do. I think that's what it comes down to. That, 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 that's completely fair. That, 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 that's my outside the, read. The, Obviously, the, you guys can argue about this the, amongst yourselves, but that, that's my read on this thing from the outside. The, the, the so. career 120 WRC plus guy who hasn't been able to hold down a full-time job anywhere is not someone that I'm particularly excited on to have at the plate in most situations. I don't dislike Robbie Grossman per se, <laughs> but I, you know, I think that there's, I think the difference between him and Eddie Rosario in that particular situation might not be as big as one thinks. If you're going for super optimization and especially it would be a, a very different situation if there was one out instead of two there but overall i i just thought it was like it, I, it just felt kind of like nonsense in a lot of ways uh, and i had no issues with snip, putting Ronnie in, in that spot in your face steven no i'm kidding i actually lean i'm actually more i on love i love you steven i'm love more on steven's side here truly I, oh, I get yeah it. No, I'm, I'm, and i'm fine with that and i get it. It, it it is what it is okay before we get to the this week coming up uh i'm clearing out uh just because i know we have a uh listenership that is not always dialed in on the minor stuff like uh maybe like i am although i am a every single episode listener to road to atlanta eric i, I will say that that's kind of all i know about oh, minor league stuff you, is, what, is what, thank, whatever you guys you, say but i'm gonna get out of the way eric what should people know about the minor league system this week in uh a shorter time frame the road to atlanta might give us well, most of the guys that you'd probably normally care about have been called up to the big leagues. At that this is moment. true. <laughs> so, um, but uh, there are there are some important things. One, uh, the first round pick for the Braves, Owen Murphy, did make his uh, pro debut for the FCL Braves and was quite good. Two innings, four strikeouts. So you'll definitely take that from your first round pick in his first time as a prep arm uh, going against pro hitters. Uh, and a lot of the Braves day two and day three guys from the draft did get assigned to full season ball. There's a whole bunch of them down in Augusta right now. And coincidentally, Augusta is one of the more fun minor league teams to watch at the moment. They're, they're doing a lot of good work down there. All those guys seem to be performing pretty well. I can't point, I can't point to anyone in that draft class, whether it be Drake Baldwin, David McCabe, you know, Kashan Ogans, all these guys uh, on the hitting side have been performing really well. We still haven't seen a whole lot of pitchers debut yet, but that's not really abnormal. So if you're wanting to make sure you want to follow on what's going on with the minor leagues right now, it's actually a pretty fun time to keep an eye on Augusta, uh, in terms of what's going on there, because there's a lot of draftees, a lot of the new guys are performing well. Uh, beyond that, you know, again, a lot of the guys that you would normally be excited about have already been promoted. Uh, uh, so, you know, keep an eye on the minor leagues overall, but the, the lower minors in particular right now are actually pretty interesting. And there you have it. Thank you for your service, Eric, on all of that. And uh, again, I got you. Listen to Road to Atlanta and also read all of our uh, written content at batterypower.com. Okay. Uh, standing stuff before we get out of here. The Braves, just for the record, uh, I don't it may not seem like this right now, but the Braves are 11 games better right now through the exact same amount of uh, of contests than they were last year. They have 70 wins um, right now uh, through the same amount of games last year. They have 50, 59 wins. So team quality wise, this team is uh, lapping last year's team to this point, despite the fact that they are five and a half games behind the Mets. So I live with optimism there, Eric, because they are still five and a half games behind the Mets. I get it. The Mets just don't lose right now for whatever reason. They are six ahead of the Phillies, though, so they're kind of in their own tier again. The Phillies have kind of caught up a little bit. That's gone back a little bit now uh, to the point where the Braves have a five-and-a-half game lead on the top wild card spot and a seven-and-a-half game lead over missing the wild card, which leads us to a 99% chance to make the playoffs on both 538 and fan graphs. I say all that also to say, Eric, the Braves play the Mets four times in the next four days beginning on Monday at Truist Park. Uh, let's just say this is a pretty big series because if the Braves have any, any designs on winning the national league East still, they probably got to win three of these four games. 
Yep, they don't win, if they don't win the series, they don't win the division. And people, and that doesn't necessarily mean this the, the outcome of the season will be bad. Let's go ahead and Agreed. try to head off the. I mean, the, you would have thought that after the series against the Mets in New York, that the season was over. We need to start selling guys. I mean, like I got people tweeting at me saying that the Braves needed to trade away to Cunha for prospects. It was like the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life when this team is really, really good. They just happened to be in a team against a team that is both good and can seemingly do no wrong. Um, you know, being incredibly lucky in some ways. So, you know, that's kind of how it goes. But if they if they want to catch the Mets, if they have any designs on doing that, barring something really bizarre happening the last month and a half of the season or so, they're going to have to win this series. Just full stop. And, you know, yeah. if they end up locked into a wild card, so be it. But, you know, if they want to catch the Mets, they got to win this one. Yeah, and listen, I, I just because I am myself, I, I will just point out that, like, yes, they're, they're still a – plausible scenario if they were to split this series because they would still only be five and a half games back and there's enough time um that if the Mets struggled you could still win the division I think though you know if the Mets play pretty well the rest of the way you need to win this series um there's always a chance that the Mets could be the Mets and they just fall apart um but i think that well, it's obviously that, 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 that is a hope sure that, yeah and there's a history there yeah it's it's a huge series i mean they, they do play the, the mets one more time um in the second to last series of the uh, season uh and to actually begin, to sort of begin october but you know this is the one time where you have the chance to control your own fate a little bit and actually beat the mets at their own game you have all these games at home um and at the same time i don't want to overstate it because of what you just said both um the, the quality of the season does not necessarily shift only on this. I know division titles are the standard here and that's what it should be, but um, they can have a, be the number one wildcard team and be just fine. Um, and also it's interesting because we talked about this a lot a minute ago, but they navigated this Miami series without any of their top starters. And that allow that allows the top starters to potentially pitch in this series. So right now the Braves have announced as the probable starters for the series um, Strider on Monday, then Charlie Morton on Tuesday, Odorizzi on Wednesday, and then the aforementioned TBD on Thursday, which could be either Freed or Wright. We will see. Or or someone else entirely. Or someone else entirely. Agreed. Um, unfortunately, the Mets had their best four guys lined up for this series. It is Carrasco. It is Taiwan Walker, who the Braves did just torch uh, a week and a half ago. Um, but then it's Scherzer on Wednesday and DeGrom on Thursday. So on paper, even in Atlanta, the Braves are not going to be favored in many of these games. I think anytime you see Scherzer or DeGrom, the betting line is going to favor the Mets. Um, you can understand why that would be, even in Atlanta. But regardless, there are no uh, no, no gimmies in this slate against the Mets' top four guys. Uh, we will see how this all goes. Uh, the one definite mismatch on paper is the Odorizzi versus Scherzer start on Wednesday. That does not look great for the Braves. But uh, listen, I, I'm, fully cap- I'm fully comfortable with... Strider against Carrasco and Morton against Walker. Those are totally fine matchups. Um, DeGrom is an alien, but maybe the Braves can just uh, throw Max Freed out there and, and, and sort of uh, neutralize that a little bit. So we'll see how this goes. I think having the, having the games at home uh, is important, but these are very important games. I mean, it would, be, it would be disingenuous for us to sugarcoat that in any way. These are very, very important games, and they got to win them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, pitching Max ups are certainly concerning. Um you know, especially the way DeGrom has looked coming back from injury. You kind of hoped he would have been a little bit rusty, but as we found out the last time the Braves went against him, that was very not the case. Uh, he was basically unhittable. So it's it's going to be tough. You know, realistically, you just kind of want to get a split in these four games um, just because of the quality of the pitching that they're going to be running out there. And their offense, you know, is playing above their heads too. You know, 
so many, you know, ground balls and broken bat singles fall for this team. It's already kind of, I mean, it feels a little bit more like team of destiny type stuff right now. Uh, and certainly doesn't feel like what the Mets normally do, which is, you know, completely implode and have half their rotation be injured by the end of the year. Um, and that's not what's happened at least so far. So overall the, you know, the Braves are going to have to be on top of their game. Very fortunately they're playing at home. Uh, you know, I can't imagine what truest is going to be like for the series, uh, even though it's, you know, uh, uh, in the week series. Yeah. I, w- I wish it was a weekend, but it, it will still be, even with school it back be, in, it, it's going to be rough. Sure. I'll, I'll say it, not, not with the way the team's been playing. There's, I think there's too much, there's with as much as at stake against a, a real rival. I think Drew's is going to be bumping. Um, so th- I think it's going to be, a, I think it's gonna be a really fun series. You just, you want to split. You really want to win the series, but you know, anything less than a split, is going to be pretty disappointing. Um, especially, you know, you don't want to do it twice in the nine games that you played against the Mets in August. If you only win like two of them, uh, that's pretty bad news. And you can point to where your season went wrong right there when you gave seven games back to a team. So, uh, and it doesn't get any easier with the next series because, uh, as it turns out, that team's pretty good. I I remember them quite well. Yeah. They, so, uh, we'll move on from the Mets series to the Astros series. But uh, yeah, I think, I think in part because of the way things went in New York and going one and four in that series, if they were to lose the series this week, we should just acknowledge like it's probably over if they get swept, for instance, and they're suddenly down nine and a half, it's probably over at that point for the division. Um, If they were to go one and three and you're down seven and a half games, it's not maybe as over as it would have been at nine and a half, but we'll see. Um, But yeah, uh, you know, after that, no rest, no off day in between. Here come the Astros, who, uh, of course, we saw in the uh, World Series not too long ago. But the Astros currently, as I speak, have the best record in the American League. They are very, very good again. Um, not a huge surprise. They're still loaded with talent. They made the World Series a year ago, etc. They are 75 and 41 this year. So uh, it's yeah. very, very possible the Astros are the better team that the Braves will see this week <laughs> in their uh, in their building. And, and obviously, the Mets have been great this year, but the Astros have been better. So. In a lot of ways, it's enti- it is entirely possible because the pitching staff is certainly better than the the last time the Braves saw the Astros, which is one of the reasons why that you know that that, that felt a little bit better against that team. Which you know, again, the offense is still scary, uh, slightly different. You know, you know they don't have Carlos Correa anymore, but Yoron Alvarez has been insane this year. Uh, uh, yeah. By the way, to, to your point, they're number one in the American League and runs allowed this season. Number one in the American, really? American League and runs. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised by. It. I thought yes. it was a little bit better than that. I thought they were better this year. Okay, well then, never mind. Uh, no, no, uh, no. I'm saying they're they're number one in runs allowed. Like they're they're awesome this year. Pitching oh, wise. okay. I, 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 I thought I thought you were, I thought you were saying worse. No, okay, they're number yeah. they're number uh, one. Like <laughs> they're number one in the league. In the, uh, yeah. they're, I, sorry, they're number two in the majors behind the uh, behind the Dodgers. Who the Dodgers are? Uh, we talk about the Dodgers for a second. The Dodgers are seventy nine and thirty four. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, and they're, they're they're like they've been nuts for like five years and this might be the, the dodgers currently the lead the dodgers currently lead the national league uh and i'll say this very comfortably in runs scored and runs allowed just so you know like yeah, very comfortably in both too so, yeah so. they're 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 gonna be tough anyway the astros the astros really good to get back on topic i'm sorry sorry for throwing you off eric but the astros no no, I, no i'm all for a derailment yes yeah no astros are really really good and you know the braves coming off a four game set against the Mets. We'll kind of see how they're, we'll, we'll know. I'll feel a better feel for that series. Once we know kind of what the pitching situation is, uh, when you have TBD after over easy, yeah. uh, you know, it's, you know, who's back, who's actually able to pitch. And I mean, you, you, know, you figure, you figure we'll probably see Strider and Morton again over the weekend. 
Probably. You would imagine because they're going Monday uh, and Tuesday. You figure like by, by Sat. I, mean, I guess there's a scenario. No, I mean e- even if they have both right and freed back this week, I think you would still see Strider on Saturday Strider, and Morton yeah. on Sunday. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So I, I figure, unless, unless they really stretch things out, where like they like played like Mueller and then go back to Mueller. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, Mull- I, I doubt I it. Mean, I don't. I, we'll I, I'm with, I'm with you on this, but yeah, there's there's some chances for some weirdness. Uh, and you know, if you want to talk about frightening, the idea of putting Bryce Elder against the Astros is not something that I mean. Again, I say this as someone who likes Bryce Elder. Uh, uh, go ahead and just not sign me up for that little. Play well, and honestly, this is not something that we normally would talk about a ton, but it might come into play. Do you know who the Braves play after the Astros? Go on. The Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, yeah, they're real bad. So if they wanted to be a little bit strategic, they might want to line the guys up that they think are good against the Astros. Oh, and yeah, maybe, that's, that's, that's prime Bryce Elder. Maybe, yeah, Mueller, may, maybe get an Elder uh, Elder or Muller or Ian or some combination of those guys against the Pirates. I don't know. I'm not saying they're definitely going to do that, but I, I thought you know part of the calculus this week for having, for instance, having Elder go today instead of Strider, was that you could have you could sort of line up the series better against the Mets? That seemed oh, yeah. undeniable to me. Like they, I'm sure they would, I'm sure they would not admit that on the record. But it seemed pretty convenient to me that they were going to run Elder against the Marlins and set up Strider, Morton, or Odorizzi against the Mets. That might happen again with the Astros versus the Pirates. So we'll see. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's something we're thinking about. Yeah. Just a thought. Um, but no, I mean we talked about it. The Braves are very comfortable when it comes to the playoff pursuit. And as we saw a year ago, as we've seen a number of times in the last several years, division winner versus wild card. Once you get to the playoffs, the difference is not significant. Uh, you can't hang the ban- you can't hang the same banner, which matters. I know Braves fans like to win the division. I think we all do. But uh, if the Braves lose the division to the Mets, but still enter the the playoffs as the number one wild card team and rolling and playing very well they'll have just as good of an opportunity to win the world series as they would have if they won the division in a lot of ways yep so yeah and the the really thing you don't want to you you want the team you really want to avoid right now is the dodgers yep and and you know <laughs> if, if you know you're not going to do that as like the top wild card team right well now. i mean well not right a, away no it's just an example by the way like you know i'm looking at 538's odds right now the Braves have the fifth best World Series winning odds in the entire Major League Baseball right now, despite being second in the division by five and a half games. They only trail the Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, and Astros in World Series odds. So the team quality, as I, as I said before, that this team is yep. 11 games better than it was at this time last year. 11 games. That's a lot, man. And we've we famous talk about that a lot, about how, about how like uninspiring that team was until August a year ago. But Listen, this this is a good baseball team. Like division winner or not, the Braves by the metrics, by the projections, everywhere you look, if they're healthy at all, this is a very good baseball team. I've, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, you know, you certainly can't pick, pick them to win the division at this point in time, down five and a half games with six weeks to go. But you know, I have no no qualms about the team quality. They could certainly make another run, and no one should be surprised if they do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's just it's it's just kind of funny just how there's a lot of people who just. I don't think they, they live and die by individual series. And, you know, if you don't win the division, then it seems like they, they're kind of in a, kind of an older mentality with, you know, the playoff structure that if you're in the wild card, then that means that, Oh, we're going to have to go against the, in the first round against the Dodgers. And there's no way we can beat them right now. It, it's just not, it's just not what the state of affairs is right now. And at the end of the day, 
this team against the Dodgers, like that's going to have to happen anyway, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think this team is still very competitive. I think that they can do a lot of good things on both sides of the ball. Uh, you certainly have to get hot at the right time. Uh, that's what happened last year. And, you know, at some point you have to figure out how to beat the Mets. So, but overall, you know, I'm not worried about this team in the short term. You know, if you get beat, you get beat, but this isn't like a, you know, they're coming off a six and oh week. And, you know, for, for some folks out there, you would think that, you know, that they're <laughs> hanging on, hanging on to a playoff, you know, a playoff berth for their life. And I, I have, I kind of have a little bit of trouble understanding those folks. They are playing very well. And uh, this will be my, my final stat. Um, they also have the fifth best record in the major leagues right now, despite having a five and a half game deficit in the division. They are behind the same four teams, Dodgers, Mets, Astros, Yankees, and the Braves in that order. And by the way, the Braves have a five and a half game lead on the Padres for the next best record in the league. Like this is a top five team in baseball by every metric you can look at from run differential to win loss record to projections, all that stuff. Top five team in the league so far this year, they're rolling. So here we are an unbeaten week in the middle of August, Eric always improves our mood on the podcast. Um, I will certainly plug everything in a second, but if you have anything to plug, please go ahead and do that. Road to Atlanta, minor league coverage, et cetera. Where can people find your stuff? Uh, yeah, you can follow me over on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. Uh, make sure you listen to the Road to Atlanta podcast, which is our minor league show on this very stream. Uh, and I, I want to make sure that folks are sending uh, congratulatory treats, tweets to Brad at BT Roland. First, you should be following him if you are not. He is a great follow for all your Hawks needs, uh, as well as the occasional Braves tweet. Um, but also, this entire time that Ozzie Albies has been hurt and Vaughn Grissom has been up, Brad has not once tried to trade Ozzie Albies to a team that needs a shortstop. And Brad, I just want to say that I'm proud of you. So yeah, you, tough scene. Listen, uh, at some point, probably like in October, November, December, when we have to actually fill some content, we'll probably do a whole episode on that. But uh, needless to say, I have gotten several messages and texts about Ozzie moving to shortstop at the end of the season. So it's been happening. You you heard it here first, people. He said he was going to do it in, in October or November somewhere. It's happening. We're going to have, we're, we're we'll, have a show. We'll get to it. We'll get to it at Sweet. that point in time. Brad uh, Roland trade trade ideas. Here, here we I go. am in. Oh, Eric, thank you for joining me. As always, my friend, here on this Sunday evening in mid-August. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the show. I can assure you it really does help the podcast. Anyone that ever asks us how to help the show or how, how to support the show, the best thing you can possibly do is to, to subscribe and download the episodes on podcast platforms. You can do it on multiple platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, set it to auto-download, have them download like crazy, go to old episodes, et cetera. Tell your friends to go ahead and do that. Tell your family to go ahead and do that. Um, share on social media, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. All that's very much welcome, as well as five-star ratings and reviews if you enjoy the podcast. Also, read everything that we write on the site at batterypower.com, where uh, Chris Willis leads the way, Demetrius, Eric, Scott, Ivan, etc. I usually just write the podcast posts and not much else, but there's lots and lots and lots of written content at batterypower.com. So in addition to listening to us, check out all that stuff as well. Thank you again to Eric. We'll see you in a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, this podcast network is very, very busy, so please subscribe. We'll see you next time.